So our emotions are energy in motion. And if you don't allow yourself to fully be with that emotion, feel that emotion, then you're not allowing that energy to move and that energy gets stuck. And so the first thing is how people relate to their emotions. Do you want to wake up feeling like you're stepping into who you're meant to be into the best possible version of you? What if I told you that the key to your best life, health, and happiness are all around you? You just have to find what works for you. I'm Hope Pedraza, and I believe that there isn't just one way to live a healthy and meaningful life, and that all you need is a little inspiration to make changes that last from the inside out. Each week, I'll be sharing tangible tips and inspirational interviews to help you on your journey. These are the steps to take to improve your life and live with purpose. This is Hopeful and Wholesome. Hey guys, thanks for listening today. I'm really excited about this episode. It's actually probably one of my favorites. I am talking today to Anat Perry. She is the founder of Training Camp for the Soul and she's a transformational life coach. And today we are talking about emotional blocks, how you can uncover them, how you can overcome them, and all the things that kind of come with self-sabotage and our fear of failure and all these beliefs that we have in ourselves that hold us back from doing what we truly want into living a life of fulfillment and success. She is going to basically take you through a therapy session. and It's pretty awesome. So I hope y'all get a lot out of this episode. Y'all enjoy. All right, guys, we are going to hop right in. I have on today Anat Perry. She is the founder of Training Camp for the Soul. She's a transformational life coach, and she specializes in developing her clients' emotional resiliency. And we are going to talk about all of that and how we can all take inspired action. So thanks so much for coming on today, Anat. Yeah. Thanks so for having me on here. For sure. So as a transformational life coach, what are you working with clients the most on? Unlearning, unlearning, unlearning. So uncovering what they learned in the early years. You have young kids, so you'll, you'll appreciate this. Prior to the age of seven, what did they learn? Because it's in those years that the script is formed, so to speak, the script of your life. You just said it before we got on this, how your infant or not your infant, but your toddler just keeps repeating everything that everyone says. That's what happens. So we don't even realize how much of who we are and how we're operating today isn't really who we are. Mm -hmm. It's who we learned to be by what we saw, what we heard, and what we felt energetically from our caretakers. So for most people, that is mom and dad. So how do you get to the root of that? So, so you're saying unlearning. So how do you get to, first of all, I guess that's this is a multifaceted question. So <laughs> if, you're, if you're unlearning, I guess the first thing is you have to realize what you're unlearning. So how do you uncover the things that you need to unlearn? Yeah. Yeah. So there's five stages of healing or five stages of transformation. And stage one is awareness. And this is, I think, what leads people a lot of times to do a program, hire a coach, read a book, go to a seminar. It's becoming aware of something that they want to quote unquote fix or change. And so it's a good starting point. And then there, and really what myself and my team help our clients do is let's go to your garden and let's uncover all the weeds. And so we specifically will look at the different areas of development and the areas that if you are functioning well, if you've got the right learning, 
then you're functioning well as an adult. And when I give you these areas, you'll be like, oh yeah, of course. So we look at, and you could see these as like subjects, right? Like these are the subjects that mom and dad were responsible for teaching you. So self-esteem, expressing your needs and wants with others, knowing how to give yourself what you need and want, limits and boundaries with yourself and others, connection. So your ability to connect to your own self, as well as how to connect with the world and others, and then responsibility. And so you could see these as like all the different little pockets and areas of a garden. And it's like, all right, let's tackle one at a time and start to look at what did you learn in this area? So we have different visualizations and questions and ways to bring you back to observing your life as if it was a movie. So it's like, let's rewind the movie, Hope, Mm -hmm. and look at, so if we were watching your mom, was she the type of mom that was always go, 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 busy, busy, running around, cleaning the house, taking care of this, all this stuff, and then finally like, you know, exhausted? Or was she the mom that never got off the couch and was dealing with depression all the time? Or was she the mom that was always exercising and running a business and all that. So it's like all these ways to look and observe whatever kind of mother or father you have start to bring up the beliefs. For example, if mom was always busy, busy running around, taking care of the kids, the house, everything, how that imprinted the child might've been always keep busy or put others first, you know, your needs don't matter. And, uh, I'll also throw this in and say there's a different relationship as to what you learned from mom compared to dad, even though they may do the exact same thing or say the exact same thing. Hmm, That's interesting. So mom is the role model for the self. A child looks at mom as mom is me. I am mom, not separate. Mm -hmm. You're a mother, so you can get this, right? Where did this come from? Why is this the way that it is? Well, baby was in you for nine months in your energy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, birth happens and you hold your little one for the first time and you say, I'm your mommy. And the child hears wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> and doesn't know what he or she's looking at or what, you know, can't understand what you're saying. But what they do know, What is familiar is the energy Mm -hmm. and the energy feels like home. It feels like the same energy I was just in for nine months. So in that moment, there's this, I am, oh, I am mom, mom. This is just me. Mom is an extension of me, which is why in those early years, you have an infant. Who are they inseparable from? Who do they want? Mom, because you are their foundation. You are their safety until they start to develop more and realize, oh, I am separate. I am my own self. And then father, so dad walks into the the labor room, holds the baby for the first time, says, son, daughter, I'm your daddy. And the baby hears, wah, 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 wah. But I imagine at least the very first time that the father held a child that he was on like oozing ecstasy, times a million, like so much love, a lot of pride, you know, for men, as much as they see you pregnant and they feel that there's like a kick here and there, it 
doesn't really become real for them until the second they hold that baby. And then they're like, I created this. <laughs> like there's a level, you know, it just is. Totally. Like that, right? Yes. And part of their like oozing of love is the pride is like the, oh my God, wow. Like, and so the baby feels this energy and it's at a very high vibration of love. And not to say mom's energy isn't loving, but mom's energy of love has been cultivated for nine months. It feels different than this like blast of like, oh my God. And so for the child, it's like, whoa, what is this energy? I've never felt this before. This is not me, but this feels great. So this like, this is everything that's not me. So in that moment, the relationship that gets formed is dad is my world. Dad is everything that is not me. Mm -hmm. And dad is, represents love because, and I don't know about you, but I always held my daddy on a pedestal. Yeah. 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 That is why there's this, like, we are always trying to get back to that level of pure high love yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and either either our fathers live up to it or they break our heart Mm -hmm. and so father represents the heart mother represents the womb the root the nurture the safety all that father represents the world so you're probably not there yet your kids are still young but when they start to get to like the age of six seven eight they're gonna be like Mom, leave me alone. Right. More drawn to dad. Yeah. And for the mothers listening, I know it's going to be a little heartbreaking, but you just got to trust that it's innately what they need now is to learn from the world about how to be with others in the world. And if you're fortunate enough that, you know, the the father's in the picture and the father has time to, to really devote to, the kids, like, great, do it. <laughs> and they continue to, to look at you as the role model for what's possible mm-hmm. for themselves, with themselves. Yeah. So that's, that's how it forms. And I've been doing this work, facilitating this work for five and a half years with hundreds of clients, and it is accurate. Yeah. They could tell me, they're challenged with something with themselves, like, oh, I'm always like hard on myself. And I'll be like, so is mom hard on you or hard on herself? Yeah. And you know that. I'm like, that's how you learned it. Mm-hmm. Or they'll say, you know, I just, I don't trust others to be there for me. They're just not safe. And I'll be like, yeah. So dad was not around or he didn't honor his word. Yeah. Or he was, he was abusive. He was that. Like it wasn't safe. Yep. So, I've done it enough to see accuracy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you're going back and looking and you're helping people kind of uncover those that started, you know, in those early years of life, what do you find is one of the most common themes? Like, is, are there more ones that are more common than others that people have to kind of bring forth? It's mm, a great question. There's so many. Yeah, I'm sure. So, so many, you know, it, it, it really depends But I'd say, you know, common themes because of the society that we're in and the era that our, you know, our parents grew up in, 
and de- depending where you're raised, you know, if, if you're raised in, in the, in the Midwest, then there was a lot of, you know, conversation around religion and God, and you have to do what God says, and you have to be good and all that, right? Or if you came from a broken home, then there's going to be a lot around that. If mom and dad struggled financially, there's going to be things around that. Mm-hmm. Um, if both parents were always working, then it's that. So there's, there's a ton and there's the things that we're aware of when we come into it. And then there's like, I mean, my clients, they experience like popcorn moments of like, oh my gosh, I didn't even see that I had that. Yeah. I didn't even realize yeah. how, like, because it becomes so innate, right? It becomes like, well, it's just normal to, to be a people pleaser. And people start to relate to themselves as I am a people pleaser. I am a procrastinator. And I'm like, no, you're not. Test this out. I learned to be a people pleaser. And it's like, even just adding that one word in there, whoo, there's like freedom there. There's yeah. space to experience yeah. like a new possibility. Right, right, right. It's not putting those labels on yourself where you feel confined into that bubble of that's who I am. That's, yeah, that's huge. Yeah. So stage one is very important and not to be stopped at. (laughs) And, uh, you know, my own personal struggles with my journey of transformation was I spent eight years doing the type of self-development work. I've been in this for 16 years, but the first eight years, it was a lot of cognitive work. It was a lot of mindset stuff. So I was a master at stage one. I was like, oh, I'm aware of every single weed in my garden. <laughs> the challenge was that the tools that I had to tend to that were only scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. We're only trimming it. Mm-hmm. And the frustration of a year later, six months later, five days later, being like, there it is again. Mm-hmm. I'm still acting this way. And I see that a lot. I have a lot of clients that come to me that are like, this is not my first rodeo. I've worked with coaches. I've done self-development you know, before, and I'm still struggling with X, Y, and Z. And it's because what's missing is getting to the root of it. So what's the root of it? <laughs> yeah, because that kind of leads me to my next question. That's what I was going to ask, because you kind of get into these loops, right? Where you just, it's, you're just doing the same thing over and over and you have those same feelings that keep coming out. So, so what does it look like to really be able to master those emotions and kind of take control of letting those feelings and thoughts about yourself come back up? Like, how do you master that? Yeah, perfect. Exactly. And and use the right word, mastering emotions, right? So our emotions are energy in motion. And if you don't allow yourself to fully be with that emotion, feel that emotion, then you're not allowing that energy to move and that energy gets stuck. And so the first thing is how people relate to their emotions. So there's what we have labeled as good emotions and the bad emotions. I mean, when you're happy, do you ever say, why am I happy? Oh no, why am I happy? But when we're sad or anxious, why am I anxious? Why am I sad? Why am I crying so much? There's a judgment there, like it's wrong. 
And that's all what most of us have learned. Mm-hmm. We have learned that there's something wrong. You know, why are you crying? What's wrong? UK, instead of like, oh, you're crying. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, feel it. Yep. And so one of the things that I teach, and this is the first takeaway that the listeners can take from this is let's go below the label. Let's go one layer deeper than the label. So the label is I am sad or I'm crying or I'm angry or I'm anxious or I'm horny or I'm happy, <laughs> right? That's the label for the, mm-hmm. for the emotion. But how is the body experiencing that emotion? And where is the body experiencing that sensation? Mm-hmm. So the level below emotion is sensation. It's a sensation. And to me, I'm sure you've heard this as well, anxiety or sorry, yeah, anxiousness, excitement and anxiousness feel very similar in the body. It feels like butterflies in like your stomach or like heart accelerating. If you get on stage and you're about to do a TED talk, yeah, you can imagine you're going to feel that. And so how do you label it? Anxious, excited. It depends on whatever story And that's why we want to get below that and start to be with emotions at the level of sensation, Mm -hmm. of felt sense. Mm -hmm. And so the questions to ask yourself so that you could be with it at that level is, okay, well, where, so scan your body, take a few breaths, scan your body and say, where am I feeling this the most? Oh, I'm feeling it in my throat. Yeah, there's like something stuck in my throat. Okay, so we've identified the area. Now, does it have a size? Is it the size of a grape? Is it the size of an apple? So does it have a size? Does it have a temperature to it? So what it forces you to do is laser beam focus on this energy. And it gets you out of your head of like right, wrong, why, all that, and has you be with that energy. Does it have a shape? Does it have a texture? Is it hollow? Is it light? Is it heavy? Is it dense? And then once you have an idea of the shape and color and all that, you keep observing it mm-hmm. with love and curiosity. Instead of why am I feeling this? Can this just go away? Instead, and that's rejecting it. It needs this part of you needs your love and acceptance and curiosity. So get curious. Hmm, Is it shifting? Is it changing? As I just observe that sensation. And a lot of the times what happens is the body then got enough focus there that it knows what to do. And this is how brilliant our bodies are. So when you were pregnant, Hope, how much thought did you have to give in order for your little one to develop in your belly. Right. Our bodies are brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Or if you cut yourself or burn your finger right now, God forbid, (laughs) but if you do, what do you feel? Sensation that we label as ouch, as pain. This hurts. Mm -hmm. But if you were to really ask me, it's hot, it's stingy, it's tingling. And I believe that that is our body's brilliant way of knowing when a part of our body needs healing. Because it's not the ointment or the band-aid. 
right. that is going to do the healing. Right. <laughs> right. It is actually our body. And when there's something like that, the reason that there's quote unquote pain, it's to really signal that healing needs to happen here. The challenges with our emotions is that we've learned to override it. It's not as painful as a burn. <laughs> and so there's become this disconnect where we live in our head, we stuff it down, we numb out with like, oh, well, let me just go get some ice cream or let me, let me grab my phone and just scroll Instagram instead. And we disconnect from that sensation and thinking, oh, yeah, now I'm better. No, really, it, it, it just it got stored there. So the opportunity is to start to relate to our emotions as sensations with curiosity and love. And when you truly, truly are able to give it that focus, it can move and shift in 90 seconds, or it could start to release itself in 90 seconds. Mm -hmm. So as a mother, Hope, when your child is upset, if you let them move through that upset, how long is it? Not long. <laughs> yeah. Not long. It's when we question right. them that it prolongs it. Mm -hmm. But my sister does this with my nephew. When he's upset, she'll just stand right there. She'll put her hand close to his back or on his back. And she'll say, it's okay. I'm here. Mm -hmm. So I'm here to hold this safe space for you. Mm -hmm. And he'll have a good cry for about 90 seconds, yeah. 10 minutes. And then he's like, okay, mommy, I'm good. Let's go play with the Legos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, That's totally mm -hmm. and so let's remember that that is not only the gift of, that a child has. That is the gift of us as humans. Mm -hmm. When we remember that our emotions are just a part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. All the emotions are. Hope, if your children went a whole day without laughing or crying, would you be concerned? Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Why do we question it as adults? There just needs to be this reconnection to that. Right. And one of the challenges that makes it a little longer is that we forgot to we forgot to feel safe. We forgot to know that our bodies are safe, whether it's, you know, something happened traumatic and there's some, you know, trauma there or PTSD there, or you've just programmed yourself. You've learned to disassociate and disconnect a lot. And so very simple practice that I teach. Here's another tool you all get to take away is what I call priming safety. So, you know, if you were to repaint the wall, what would you do first? If it was blue and you wanted to turn it to white, right. you would prime it first. And so call it priming safety as you, before you look to reconnect with your body, you prime yourself with it. And so how does one sit when they feel safe? Open, right? Huh. How do you sit when you're scared, when you're, when you're in a fight with your partner? Yeah. You'll, you'll like right. you know, curl up into a ball <laughs> to protect right. self. Right. When someone feels safe, they sit open, chest up, mm -hmm. relaxed, mm -hmm. gets the wall, palms up, like I'm open to receiving. I'm safe. Right. 
That's the body language. So you want to sit in a way that you feel safe. So you're already telling the body safe. Right. And how does one breathe when they're scared? They either don't breathe, right? They freeze or they breathe really shallow shallow into their chest. Mm -hmm. How does one breathe when they feel safe? Deep, long inhales in and out of the belly. So same thing. That's what you want to do with the breath. Mm -hmm. And then the last part of priming is, well, what do you tell yourself? A lot of times we're not aware that we're creating more fear for ourselves. Like I can't, I can't. Oh my God, this is scary. So let's change the radio station and instead say, I'm safe. I'm safe to feel this. I'm safe to experience this. I'm safe to be in my body. I'm safe. And you just keep repeating it, whether you want to do it out loud or in your own head to yourself. So you breathe and you keep repeating that. And it's like a priming meditation, right? Until you feel yourself drop out of the monkey mind and into your body and then scan your body from like your toes so if I told you right now, Hope, to put all your attention on, on the bottoms of your feet, mm-hmm. suddenly you're present to there's a sensation there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But if I didn't tell you to put your attention there, you, you might not realize, yeah, oh, foot is cold or mm-hmm. yeah, foot feels nice and soft in this fluffy, you know, slipper. So that's a way to start and then work up the body into like, the root and the stomach area and the lower back and start to just scan and get familiar with any stuckness, any sensation that I'm feeling there. And that's a great, great practice to reconnect to your body, especially for those of you that I don't feel anything or I'm not safe in my body. I have clients that need to do that for a few weeks before they even ready to tend to a weed in the garden, right. <laughs> to feel an emotion as at the level of sensation. They're just so used to going to their head and asking why, why, why. Right. And that, that was kind of what I was going to ask you. So for, for those, because you're, you're talking about, you know, allowing yourself to feel these emotions and let the emotions, like it's okay to feel all of the things. So do you have any maybe strategy is the right word, any strategies for people who, because a lot of us are used to keeping it stuffed in or, you know, you don't want to feel certain things. And so you hold it in and you have, like you saying that these stuck emotions. So are there any, I mean, obviously the tips you just gave, you know, the body scan and all of that, is there anything we can do to kind of get us into the practice of allowing ourselves to feel like things to like to tell ourselves, Hey, it's okay to feel these things. Yeah. So like from there, there's many, right? From, and I'm glad to give it all away. (laughs) More than happy to. I want this out. There's many ways. One is starting to connect to your inner child, which is also known as your emotions. Your emotions, I want you to imagine that who is feeling this emotion, who's sad or angry or anxious is like your little self. And so I want you to picture that you're their mommy. Like, hope you have two kids. Well, now you have have a third and it's your own inner child. And so part of that helps. And I I tell people, get a picture of yourself. You know, my screensaver is my baby picture, you know, me. So it reconnects you to your younger self that 
that is the part of you that that had those experiences a lot of times. And so to imagine holding yourself and even like caressing, do you know how many alpha men, CEO types that have never cried? I tell them, just imagine picking your little one up and give yourself a hug and just caress your arms up and down. They crack right open. (laughs) Niagara Falls. You'd be amazed. It's like, Do we ever, are we ever that loving and kind with ourselves where you just pick ourselves up and say, it's okay. I know. I know. Yeah. And and acceptance, Mm -hmm. you know, stage two is like acceptance and commitment and the willingness to accept that a part of you does feel this way. Mm -hmm. A part of you, yes, had that experience. Part of you had that heartbreak. Yeah, mommy was not there for you. And so the willingness to just accept that that was your reality mm-hmm. and then pick yourself up and say, it's okay. Like you get to finally feel that I am here to hold you through that. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. Yeah, I love that. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So are there, I guess, what would you say for someone who maybe they're, you know, maybe the emotional state that they're, you know, stuck in or that loop that they're stuck in. And maybe it's causing or leading to some sort of self-sabotage. What would you say is the best starting point to get past that? Mm, Great question. So if you're aware that you're in self-sabotage and then like get a little more specific, like, yeah, I always say that like, I'm going to work out and then I don't do it. Mm-hmm. The question I ask yourself is, oh, who do, it's not who I am, mm-hmm. what I learned. Who did I learn this from? Mm-hmm. This mom's energy or dad's energy? And sometimes it's not that we copy. So I want to also say this. Sometimes we copy. We learn and we'll copy. And sometimes we rebel. Mm-hmm. We say, I'm never going to be like that. And then we do the complete opposite, which is still not who you are. Mm-hmm. It's another way to survive what happened. Mm -hmm. So to explore, oh yeah, mom, mom was like this. Mom was always sacrificing herself for others, Mm -hmm. not thinking that she mattered. Yeah, that's what I learned. And then taking yourself down memory lane. This is a lot of times what we guide people through and we have a guide in our program until they get the hang of it themselves. Rewind the movie, Hope. Can you remember a time when you learned this from mom? Mm -hmm. No, I can't remember a time. Okay. Well, can you imagine? Because our our body does not know the difference between imagination and reality. So we could watch a movie, even though it's made up, and still cry or scream (laughs) as if it's real, right? And so even if you can't remember, because I know a lot of us block our childhood for whatever reason. Imagine, can you imagine, can you picture your mom doing that thing and imagine what it was like for your little self or yourself, you know, see what you saw, hear what you heard, feel what you felt. And it reconnects you emotionally to that moment of, okay, observing mom always frantic and busy. Yeah. And then letting your little one, your inner child speak through you. Being curious, what was that like for you? Can you imagine it was like for you? 
I felt alone. I was scared. Where do you feel that in your body? So it's this constant balance of observing the sensations that arise and and what you witnessed and heard. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? There's times in our life where, yeah, we think of a memory and, and, and we totally feel or something triggers, right? There's the word triggers, an experience that never got completed. This is an opportunity to complete open loops because before the age of seven, logic wasn't formed, right? Logic part of the brain. So, you know, a child doesn't know right, wrong, doesn't understand, oh, dad's just at work. Now that dad doesn't care about me, you don't get it. They're just like, dad's not here. I'm alone. Mm -hmm. The world's not there for me. And like, boom, that's what happens. And so the opportunity now as adults is we get to be that observer. We get to bring the safety and the full awareness and consciousness that we have to the emotional child. Mm -hmm. So the mindset is there, right? But not as a way to override. Because a lot of times what people do is they'll say, oh, well, yeah, I understand my dad meant well. And they're just, that was me for years. Mindsetting, trimming the weed. And so this is like observing through like, okay, I'm going to hold this space of knowing, but not as a way to discount and override the experience that I did have as a child. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give myself permission now to fully feel it. And the difference that that makes is the difference between feeling as indulging, oh, whoa, poor me, where now you're drowning in it and feeling it as like, yep, that's the experience and fully feel it. And you know, it's no longer your reality because people get stuck in the loop where they're operating as adults as if what happened is still happening. Right. And the fear of feeling that feeling is that it's going to be overbearing and you're going to be sucked into it like a pity party. Oh, oh, poor me. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And the indulging and how you know you're indulging is there'll be a lot of like story attitude. You'll just keep fueling the fire with all these reasons and evidence and this and that. And when someone has a weak mind, they do that. Right. But as, and that's why mindset is important and coming with consciousness, you know, better and you still get to feel what's there. Right. That's great advice. I think that's huge for, I mean, I know for me personally, it's just allowing yourself. I do that sometimes like, well, I don't want to feel sad. Like, I don't want to feel sad about that. I don't want to think it's sad. I love that in this work, you're giving yourself permission to feel it and like work through the emotion rather than like yourself keep replaying it. Like that is what it is. This is the emotion and like working through the emotion. I think that's, that's huge. That's because like I said, stage, stage one's awareness. Stage two is acceptance and commitment. Mm So the commitment may be there, which is why people are, you know, reading the book or the program or, or whatever, but accepting it. Right. Sometimes that's where people need a coach. They need a facilitator. They need a guide. Right. Because there's a part of them that's like, you want me to accept this? And there's such an attachment to, but he was a jerk or she was this. It's like, and it doesn't, 
or the idea of having to go there is so scary, right? So sometimes people need a lot more safety and someone holding their hand through that. So you get to stage three, which is the root of it, which is releasing. And the body releases in many ways. Crying is a very powerful form of release, which is why your children, your babies do it. (laughs) They didn't cry, they'd be, yeah, all that energy would be stuck. So crying is powerful. It should be rewarded. It should be celebrated. So that's one way. But other ways that some people may not realize their body's actually releasing is yawning. Yawning is a form of release, energy release. And yes, we yawn when we're tired. And why do you think that is? Because your body's releasing energy. But I mean yawning where I'll be guiding a client through this and they will consistently yawn, 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 yawn. And they have plenty of sleep. It's not bad. So yawning. So if you're experiencing a lot of yawning as you're doing it, your body's releasing. Your nervous system is down-regulating, right? It's coming out of that fight or flight of having to fight this thing. Mm -hmm. Burping. Burping is a form of release. Yes. No way. Uh, And I mean... And it's funny and it's fun when you mm-hmm. witness someone doing it and it's just like, they're just consistently burping, laughing. Now that's a fun one. Mm-hmm. It's contagious, but there are people you'll have laughing attacks, mm-hmm. catharsis, screaming. I mean, if you're harboring anger, how else does the energy of anger want to move if not, you know, physically punching something or having a good catharsis screen. Those of you that are harboring anger, which for me, I definitely did because I had it that like anger is bad. It's an emotion. Like that was the bad emotion. Crying is good. If you are going to scream, don't do it from your throat. Do it from your root. So imagine having to pull out a really deep weed, right? Or pick something up that's really heavy you're using your whole body, right? You're like, ah, it takes everything. So same thing. So if you're going to do it, those of you listening, if you're like, oh, I got some anger in me. I want to release this. I'm going to do what she said. Yeah. Stand up, soften your knees, like as if you're preparing to pick something up that's heavy and this is heavy and then grab a pillow and just pictures screaming from your root and it's pulling it all the way out and up. Mm-hmm. And expect that a lot of times after something like that, that underneath it, there's going to be some other emotion. There's going to be some, some crying or some burping. I've had clients that it's literally because they've stuffed it down that once they finally pop the lid off, there's so much, so much air there. Mm -hmm. And I mean, two hours of burping. I had one client 24. I mean, it was like a lot for the first hour, and then she needs to stop burping for 24 hours. But this is how amazing our bodies are at healing. And for you to discover that you are the healer and you just need the right tools to work with. Right. I'm not here to heal people. I'm here to remind them and bring them back to knowing their brilliance to heal themselves. So let's see. Tremoring is another one. So how many times do you experience your body shaking and you think there's something wrong? Oh my God, why am I shaking? Why am I shaking? Mm-hmm. I think it's wrong. No, 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 ladies and gentlemen. 
It's good. It's another form of your body releasing. Also having hot and cold flashes like, I'm sweating. Good. Your body is releasing it in that way. And then sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's just, it's just the calmness. It's just this easy peacefulness that comes over you. And then clarity arises. There's like a, a reconnection to the heart. And then you hear your heart's wisdom come through. And so this is stage four, releasing and then replacing. Very important to replace. Because if you clear something out, and there's like beliefs tied to it, right? And you don't replace it with something new, you may default back. And this is another place where I see people get stuck a lot of times. They'll say, oh, I've, I've done inner child work, and da-da-da. I'm like, okay, so you, you've, I've had the good scream. I've had the good cry. Great. What did you do afterwards? Was there now room for something new? Oh, yeah. Well, what was that declaration? What is available now that wasn't before? Mm-hmm. So that's the question that I always have my clients ask themselves or I ask them when they've had the release and I say, you know, is there room for something new? What's possible and available now that wasn't before? Mm-hmm. And sometimes what they say is related to the thing of like, oh, you know, like you have to keep busy. Let's say that's the limiting belief, the weed they're pulling out. And sometimes it's, it's something else or it's many things that flood in. Like I accept myself. I love myself. I take time for me. I am enough or I'm safe. Whatever it is, it's going to be good. And that's the new seed that gets planted in the garden. So that's four. Now, stage five is integration. If you plant a seed and then you leave it, what happens? dies. You have to water that seed right away. And so the watering is how quickly can you take action in alignment with a new belief? So it's, it's experienced as real. It's not just a new thing you tell yourself. Mm-hmm. So if it's, you know, I, I matter, I put myself first and action could be, all right, let me look at my schedule today. What can I take off my schedule or where can I schedule time for me? Or let me go hop on, you know, let me go for a run right now. Whatever it is, how quickly can you take action and then continue to take that action? Mm-hmm. And then the last part is, well, what if you don't know what action to take? Because it's so new. Like for me, one of the things that took me really long to integrate in was being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like I am vulnerable. I was like, okay, this is a word. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. And I have no framework for it. Like I have no idea how a character in the movie of my life would play that out, what it would look like. And so this is where education comes in. You know, a lot of times I see people hop from stage one to stage five. They become aware of some way that they don't want to be and they go and they buy the book on that. Or, wait, I I need to learn. My, My partner says, like, I just want you to be vulnerable. It's like, oh, I don't know how to be vulnerable. Okay, let me, like, Get a book on vulnerability. Great content in there. But if you didn't make room for it, if you still have beliefs like people will hurt you, don't open up, don't trust others, then you can learn that all day long, but you're going to sabotage it because there's no room for it. But when you go through the steps 
And now you're at stage five and you're like, I am vulnerable. Now you can go do that intimacy retreat or pick up that book and there's room for it because you've cleared out, you've dealt with that, those uh, limiting beliefs. That makes sense. I, I want to shift gears a little just to kind of get your backstory and just how did you get into this work that you're doing now? Yeah. So I uh, majored in finance, although I wanted to major in psychology. I just didn't want the eight years of school, but there was always a part of me that was that loved, like my girlfriends used to come to me in high school for, for advice. God knows what I said to them. But back then, whatever I said created peace of mind. So there was this natural ability that I had with it. And so it found its way back to me, even though I went to school for business and finance. And it started with my own journey, my own journey of wanting to heal certain things and spending eight years trying to find my own self and different modalities and different mentors, what it did is it developed me as a coach, a lot of practice in that, but it didn't give me my own transformation. And I never gave up on it because giving up on it would mean giving up on myself. And it led me down the path of like leaving the cognitive world of learning and more into plant medicine and body-mind psychology and somatic work and finally experiencing transformation, which by the way, is not a walk in the park on a beautiful sunny day. It is a walk through a burning forest and there's a dragon to slay. So if you're experiencing a lot of pain and it's hard and it's scary, oh, keep going. You're where you need to be. It's exactly how it, how it goes. And so there was always a desire to want to help others, but I, was, I knew that until I got myself there, that it wouldn't be an integrity and it wouldn't be of service to me or others. And so that was about seven years ago. And it was at that point that I was like, okay, I'm good. And not like I, you ever really arrive. There's still always, but I felt that I, I gained the tools that can get to the root of it. And so it was just, I was ready. I was ready to step into what I uh, always felt was my purpose. And after years of failing in you know, careers and businesses and all that, I knew that if this is where the universe wanted me to serve, that the people would come. Yeah. So I started out five and a half years ago with no marketing, no website, just word of mouth and built a very successful business pretty fast. People say, wow, that was fast. Like you did that so well. I'm like, oh, no, no, this is 10 years in the making. What are you talking about? But it's my happy place. I love it. I think it's the most important work that we could do to unlearn and move out of surviving a script, consistently replaying and having different people show up in the movie of your life, playing out the same roles and be able to know yourself as an editor and as a creator that can always have choice to recreate whatever reality you want. I love that. I love that so much. And I have one more question I want to ask you before I ask you that question. Where can people find you? On the gram, on the Instagram is a great place where I am on. And then if you're looking to learn more about what we have, 
they can go to trainingcampforthesoul.com. Awesome. Perfect. Okay. So last question that I like to ask everyone, what do you think is the most important thing people can do to live with purpose? Choose love over fear. Yeah. Keep choosing love over any fear that's there. Put love in, in that you get to have what you want. You get to be on purpose and that the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, wants you to have that. Keep putting your faith in, in love over fear. Perfect. I love it. Great words to end on. Thank you so much, Anat, for this. This was, I know this is going to be transformative for everybody who's listening. So thank you so much for all of your insight and your wisdom and helping us to unlearn all of the things we need to. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Hope, for having me. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Thanks for listening to Hopeful and Wholesome, y'all. If you found value in this week's episode, please subscribe on iTunes wherever you get your podcast and leave a review to let me know what you thought. I'd love to know what you find useful in these episodes so I know how I can provide the most value I can to my listeners. And if you have topics that you want to know more about, I'd love to hear those as well. So shoot me a message on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. It's at the Hope Pedraza or visit my website, hopefulandwholesome.com. Thanks, y'all.